Welcome to the LifeHouse Church Podcast. LifeHouse is a church that exists to invite all people to live an uncommon life by following Jesus, doing life together, getting in the game, and leaving a legacy. We hope that today's message helps you grow as a follower of Jesus, gives you perspective to see yourself and others differently, and inspires you to make a difference in the world around you. Now, let's get to this week's message. All right, are you guys ready to dive in? No one is. Okay, well, let me get some water here, then we can dive in. Also, too, really quick, I want to welcome our church online crew, LifeHouse family. Can we just right now welcome all the people joining us online? We are so glad that you are here with us, and we are excited that you are joining us today as we begin our Let's Talk About Mental Health series. Now, as we start this series, let me give you some preambles, okay? I'm not a doctor, not a therapist, okay? So what I say today is coming from, or what, what some of the things that are going to be said within this series are coming from the perspective of, of a pastor that cares for his church, for, is coming from the perspective of a pastor that has walked through therapy and has greatly benefited from it and has, over the past few years, seen the importance of and benefit of inviting the Lord into my mental health. And so I don't come to you today like, and, and then too, I would ask for some grace. I know that, that there could possibly be some things that I say today or possibly over the, the next five weeks of, of this series that I might not say right. And what I would just ask is that you would give us grace as we talk about this, um, because I guarantee there's probably something that we're not going to say right. And, but at the same time, if like we we like 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 we want to hear from you about this series, so you know, so we would encourage you check in with us. Let us know what is connecting, what isn't connecting, what your thought thought thoughts are. Because even the name of this series is extremely indicative of what we want to do with this series. We want to talk about it. Okay, I would encourage you over the next five we like commit to be here for the next five weeks. So you can get a holistic point in view of this, uh, of, of this series. We understand you might be traveling. You might have things going on. So please join in online or check out the podcast. But just like you can't just pick and choose messages with the series. That's even why we want to do like, that. Like that's even why we do sermon series because we can't talk about every like we can't have a five hour sermon. Okay. So y'all would be gone. Like y'all be sleeping. Y'all be getting popcorn. Right. So we break it up into chunks so we can build on each on each other, okay? Um, and so what I'm going to do today is I'm gonna build the foundation. Now, how many of you have ever seen a house built? Now, whenever you're building a house, typically the most boring, uninteresting part is the foundation, where you're getting the trucks out and you're kind of digging and then you're laying the, con- the concrete. So I'm not saying today is going to be boring, but what I am going to say is I'm trying to lay a biblical, practical, and theological foundation for this series so we can build on it, okay? So I'm gonna need you to be extra encouraging today. Extra, if something sounds good, preach it, white boy. If something sounds good, Preach it, preacher, okay? Like any amount of encouragement, any amount of feedback would be greatly appreciated. It's, you know, it, you know, you don't have to. This is a free country. But I would just say, because we, we're going to get into some possibly deep water, but I need you to go with me. Because if we don't go there, then we can't get to the foundation that we're trying to get to in building this 
series. I don't think there has been a series that I have studied for more because of the importance of what we're going to talk about today and with this series. So, so just, but just like I said, let's talk about mental health. Even the way the series is framed is we want to talk about it. So what we're saying is we're not saying let's solve mental health. We aren't saying let's devalue mental health. We aren't saying let's make mental health the main purpose of our life. But what we are saying, even with the sermon series title, is let's talk about it. Our heart is to start a conversation. Our heart is to get it away from, from being something that isn't talked about to something that is talked about. And it's been interesting watching the feedback as I've told people we're doing this series. The extremes that I have felt and seen when I have brought this up. You got some people that are like, thank God, John, the church for far too long hasn't talked about mental health. Thank God. It needs to be talked about. And then I can feel from some people, it's, it's like, oh, God, here we go. Self-help crap. Self-help jargon. People just need to get stronger and tougher. We live in a weak generation, and these younger kids just don't know how to handle themselves. <laughs> Do y'all see the extremes? Right? It's like you got people that are like, well, we just need to talk about Jesus. And they think that mental health isn't spiritual. So I know that there's different points of references as we start this series, where you might even have a, a bend, where you might be like, yes, this is the most important thing, and some of you are like, this is the dumbest thing. I get that. So I know that we have different points of references. But like I said today, we're building a foundation. But I really believe, and I really wanted to start this series off by telling you why I think it is important that we talk, that we, we talk about this and we have a conversation, we start a conversation about this. Uh, first off, um, it, it needs to be destigmatized. And when something is stigmatized, meaning it's kind of got a, a, a reputation, right? And it's, it's, it's kind of like the, you know, People that have had mental health challenges, mental, you know, mental illness challenge, challenges, sometimes in the church, there, there is this place, the church isn't a safe place to share it. Or when they have shared, it's been dismissed. Or when they have shared, they've been told things like, just pray harder and read your Bible more. They, they've been told things, there's something wrong with you, right? And, and, and I just think we have to be careful of doing that. Because just because something isn't your struggle doesn't mean it's not a legitimate struggle in somebody else's life. And you don't want to let your experience be projected onto someone else and as a byproduct dismiss their actual struggle. And so in the church, we have to be, we, we have to talk about it so it can be out there. And people can hopefully, as a byproduct of destigmatizing it, of you know, the, we can say, hey, it's like we want this to be a safe place where it can be processed and talked about and shared, and it can be done in not in a way of like how we normally do it. Oh, you'll get better, or it's not that bad, or, you know, just, you know, just Jesus will heal, you know, Jesus will deal with it, right? Like we've got to be, we've got it, we've got to talk about it so we can destigmatize it. Secondly, y'all, this is, people are suffering. Like, people are suffering. They're suffering in their minds. I mean, even one of, one of five people statistically, and these come from a bunch of different research books, like deal with mental illness and, and deal with mental health struggles. And maybe it's not mental 
you know, die, you know, diagnose clinical mental illness, but how many people are suffering in their minds? And as a byproduct, it's flowing down into their bodies and showing out in their bodies by not being able to sleep, eat, anxiety, irritability. People are just suffering in their minds. So it would almost be weird for the church not to talk about it because so many people are suffering from it, even people in the church. You're like, your pastor, 2020. <sighs> not good, y'all. Grateful, though, for the grace of God and hard work and getting love and, and getting therapy and, and being in a safe. I mean, even in the pastoral realm, y'all, this stuff hits home. Even two pastors right behind me, you're gonna see young 30s, pastors of large churches killed themselves. The guy on the screen right, 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 right here, Andrew Stockholm, pastor of a large church in California, I mean, it, it, was, it, it was heartbreaking hearing how his church was, help, was trying to help him walk through this, and they let him get up and preach when he was having panic attacks. And he was doing a series on mental health, went up and talked about suicide, and then a couple days later took his own life. He died by suicide. This guy here, mental health advocate at his church, 30-some years, years old, took his own life. So it's like, this is not something that's out there. This is something that's here, right? I've got pastor friends that I talk to on a regular basis, processing through their feelings, their, their mind, and, and there's a lot of different things. And I know you know people, maybe it's you, maybe you know people, because you're saying, this, this sermon series might just not be for you personally, it might be for someone you know. And we can't have this prideful, well, this is for someone else here. You never know when the Lord could give you something that you could help somebody else with or when you might be on the way towards maybe needing some help with your mental health. Third, thirdly, though, the reason why it's got to be talked about is because the, the church needs to learn to love each other well as a part of the body of Christ. Like, like as we pick up tools to help people, we can actually end up loving people better and and actually learn to be more of a safe place in a church community where the body of Christ can really be the body. You know, one of, one of the things that it says in 1 Corinthians 1.26 is it says, and if one member, and, and this chapter, 1 Corinthians 12, is talking about the body of Christ. He says, if one part of the body is suffering, we should, like, there should be almost some people that suffer with it. Meaning, like, if, if, if someone is struggling, the worst thing we can do is point a finger. The worst thing we can do is, is, cheer, is cheerlead them or sympathize with them. No, we need to give them a safe, like we need to give them empathy, which is a safe place to whatever you're feeling, it's okay. Right, like we suffer with them. But this can be a struggle because of some things we have been taught and some things that we've heard of like, well, Christians shouldn't struggle. And if you're struggling, there's something wrong with you. And I, I, y'all, I just, I just don't... <laughs> That's crazy. And we're gonna talk more about this later on, but struggling isn't sinning. Struggling is called being a human. Struggling is called being a follower of Jesus. And everyone's gonna have different struggles, and some people especially struggle in their minds. I think some Christians struggle with because they honestly believe that faith means you always win. Hebrews 11, it's called the Hall of Faith. 
It literally has everyone in there. The, it's kind of like a hall of fame for people that were looked at as being the faith heroes. There are stories of like David conquered kingdoms. Daniel shut the mouth of lions, Abraham and, and Moses. But then there's this little portion of scripture there in the middle of the chapter where it says, yeah, but some of these people that have faith were sawed in two. <laughs> they got their heads chopped off. Because I think he wanted to let them know faith yeah, it can mean you are victorious. And really, it's because if you have, if you have faith in God, you're, you always win in the end. But at the same time, that doesn't mean there, there aren't going to be periods where you might lose some battles, but that doesn't mean you lose the war. That, that makes sense? And I think we can struggle because even it says in, in Romans 4, when it talks about Abraham, it says, and, and this is what it says, it says, Abraham did not deny the fact that his body was dead. So here's the thing, right? Because Abraham was called, he said, you're gonna have a child. A, a child. Dude was like 110 years old and didn't have a child yet. You do the biological, and this was before people lived a long time. This is like 100, you know, 100 years old, brother. You're gonna have to perform. <laughs> and maybe they had strong, whatever, back in the day, but <laughs> strong, strong leaves, but what I love, and, and it was like, but so it looked hopeless, looked hopeless. But what it said in this verse in, in Romans 4, it said, Abraham did not deny the fact that his body was dead. He did not deny reality. He didn't deny a, di- a diagnosis. But, but, but then he said this, he did not deny the fact that, that, his, that, that his body was dead, yet he did not waver in unbelief regarding the promise of God. He could hold two things in the same, up at the same time. This is my reality, but this is who I know God is. Right? This is life, y'all. Stop denying reality, but stop denying the power of God. They can be held together. So we, and so here's the thing, right? We learn to love each other well, but then too, we learn to love those around us as we talk about mental health. And, and, and then here's the thing. We learn to become a parable of Jesus. And what I mean by a parable of Jesus is simply this. A parable is when you take something earthly and give it a heavenly meaning, right? Jesus spoke in parables, right? So he would try to take farming and equate it to the kingdom of heaven. And really, when I say a parable of, of Jesus, when, when you embody the call to be Jesus, because you know, you, know, you, like, you know why the church is called the body of Christ? Because Jesus isn't here. Come on, somebody. He's up in heaven, ruling and reigning. But his church is called to be his body, meaning we are the physical presence of a Jesus that cannot be seen. And that as we learn to love those around us, we actually become flesh and blood Jesus to those around us. And we can learn to love and minister healing and minister reconciliation and minister and be what what people need. That's why I believe we need to talk about this series. Now, here's the thing. Mental health is complex, y'all. Can I get an amen? amen? Mental health is complex. And you can even see it by the definitions that different, the, the different organizations give it. Mentalhealth.gov. What was the other one here? The, the World Health Organization. Even the definition when it comes to mental illness. It's, it's like, so I think we need to start off and, and just acknowledge mental health is very complex. Let's read the definitions, and you'll feel the complexedness. 
Okay, it says, according to the World Health Organization, mental health may be defined as a state of well-being in which the individual realizes his or her own abilities, can cope with the normal stresses of life, can work productively and fruitfully, and is able to make a contribution to his or her community. Okay, let's go to mentalhealth.gov. It says this, the mental health includes our emotional, psychological, and social well-being. It affects how we think, feel, act. It also helps determine how we handle stress, relate to others, and make choices. Biological factors such as genes or brain chemistry, and, and, and what this is saying is those things that, that contribute to or can hinder somebody's mental health. It says, it says biological factors such as genes or brain chemistry, life experiences such as trauma or abuse, or family history of mental health problems. Complexity, right? Let's, let's talk about mental illness, right? This is what it says by Dr. Matthew Stanford in the book, Grace for the Afflicted. It says, in psychology or, or psychiatry, we define a mental illness as a clinically significant disruption of a person's thoughts, moods, behavior, or ability to relate to others, severe enough to require treatment or, inter or intervention. While many people will have significant changes in their thoughts, emotions, and relationships during a normal lifetime, those changes are usually not severe enough to require treatment or intervention. A mental illness, on the other hand, is a debilitating experience in which the person is simply unable to to function normally over an extended period of time, okay? Can you just feel the complexity reading those definitions? So I'm not gonna solve all, all the world's problems today, right? We're laying the, found, the foundation. Mental health is complex, but here's the, here, here, here's the thing. Because it is complex and because it's got many tentacles, right? We, we have to make sure that as Jesus followers and Christians, we take mental health, mental illness, whatever, and we put it in context. So since it's complex, we have to give it some, con some context. Everybody following? Like I said, we're laying the foundation. Lay the foundation with me. Because it's complex, we have to give it some context, and it needs to go into the context. Because I think some people even will say, why do, why do Christians, or I mean, especially Christians, but why do Christians or people in the world struggle with mental health? Like, wouldn't God be good enough? Wouldn't God be better than that? Like, why, 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 why? But it's gotta be placed in context of the Bible and, and, and of kind of what Christians believe in general. So I want to walk, walk you through the context we have to put mental health in. And really, it's not just mental health, but kind of any way we struggle on this side of eternity. Okay, ready? We can kind of brace and kind of say like the four main areas of the storyline of scripture is this, creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Okay? So we have to start. Creation, God created the world perfect and good, Genesis 1 and 2. So, and, and let me pause right there. One of the things that Christians have that many people don't have that everyone's got to wrestle with is you have to wrestle with four questions. Where did you come from? What's right and wrong? Where, like, like why are you on this planet and where are you going? I don't care who you are. You have to wrestle with those four things. Well, I don't believe in God. okay. Okay, I don't believe the Bible. Okay. Well, you still have to say, where the heck did you come from? How do you define what's right and wrong? How, what's your purpose on this planet? And once you die, where are you headed, bro? Right? I think most of the time, the burden of proof is always on Christians. When you actually dig into what other people believe, the Bible is actually not that dumb. <laughs> 
People are like, yeah, well, you know, I, I, well, it's like, dude, that's a conglomeration of stuff you've heard on the, jo- on the Joe Rogan podcast and stuff you've, like, picked up from reading books, right? Like, but, but, but that's why the Bible, we believe, is, gives us a firm foundation to where we came from. We have a God who loved us and created us out of love and created us a good world, a perfect world. But also, too, we, we have a standard for what is right and wrong. It's not us. It's what God says. And two, we know why we're on this planet. It is to be the imagio Dei, the reflection of who God is, and to become more like him through the power of the Holy Spirit to ultimately become like his son, Jesus. And we know that whenever we die, we know that this body is a seed, that when it gets put in the ground, death is not the, the, the end of our lives. Death is only the beginning because when we actually experience death, we actually experience life with the Lord forever. Do you all see how, how following Jesus provides a stable foundation for lots of life's questions. So that's why we have to take mental health and put it in context of scripture and say, where does the framework work? And so that, that's why we say creation, God created everything good. The fall, that's where sin came into the world by choice, the consequences that followed. Re- redemption, Jesus, and then we've got restoration, the ongoing process of becoming more like. So let me walk, walk through these really quick. You've got creation, Genesis 1 and 2. We believe God was a loving God that created the world out of love, not because he needed people. Do y'all hear me? He did not create the world because he needed us. It was an overflow out of love from the Father, the Son, and Spirit, which, which were there for all eternity. And he created out of love, and he, created, he put Adam, he put Eve in this perfect place to dwell together with him, perfect in mind, perfect in, perfect in emotions. You know, God was the first one that told Adam, Eve, to get it on. Welcome to nine o'clock service. Some of y'all were tuned in finally, okay? Some of y'all, okay, okay preacher, I can, I can I get down with this. Uh, <laughs> like sex was his idea, okay? Perfect emotionally, physically, re- relationally in harmony with each other and in harmony with God. But then you see what Satan has been doing for thousands of years, and it started back then. Satan wanted to make people think they just were not under God, but they were God. So he went there and told them, did God really say? Is that really what God meant? Well, maybe God didn't say that. God's holding something back from you. And he did the same lies he tells now. And Adam and Eve chose the same thing. They chose to put what they desired over what God's best was. And as a result, there became brokenness in so many different areas. Brokenness emotionally, sexually, mentally, physically, relationally, and spiritually. Brokenness entered the world, and its byproduct has been going on thousands of years. And what I say is Genesis didn't happen, it happens. The Bible didn't just happen, it happens. I, I've got three sons, and what I tell them all the time, I told them this yesterday. I said, you guys are like watching a living Bible. Because all they do is blame. I tell them, clean this. Well, Judah! And it's like I'm watching Genesis 3, right? Because you got, they, they, you know, they don't, or, or they disobey God, and then Adam's like, it was the woman. And the woman's like, it was the devil. And it's just this blame game. And I'm just like, this is like watching Genesis 3. Like, brokenness. But y'all, can't you feel and see the brokenness of a world that does not put God first, that does not 
view others as made in the image of God, but views people as just objects to use for their own satisfaction. We can feel the brokenness emotionally, sexually, spiritually, mentally, and it's been this brokenness, but then I've got here, there all, uh, all, uh, all of this brokenness going on. Then there was the story of redemption. That's why I got Jesus with like 17 exclamation points because that's what Jesus came to do, y'all. Jesus came on a rescue mission to redeem us. Do you know what redeem means? Buy back. Buy back. There had to be a price, and Jesus did not say someone else do it. He said, I will do it. I will go and live the life people can't live, a perfect life. Die the death that they should have died. That's why Jesus went to the cross, because he was a sacrifice for sin. He went and did what we and you could not do. And, but because he did not sin, he could not hold his physical body down. So he rose again on, on the third day, was seen and documented by hundreds and thousands of people that saw his body. They wrote about it. And that's why we have the, the Gospels, because they saw a resurrected Jesus. And because of his redemption, because of him doing because of him buying you back, he gives you the opportunity to be an adopted son or daughter in the family of God by grace, through faith. You can't earn it. You simply receive it. This is the good news, friends, the good news of Jesus. So now we have the opportunity to be in relationship with the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on. This is good news. This is redemption, family. That's what Jesus did. So what, what, what does that do? It changes your fundamental identity. That's why it says, 2 Corinthians 5, those who are in Christ are new creations. Meaning, when you say yes to following Jesus and there is a, and there is a, there is a repentance and you accept it by grace through, through faith, you fundamentally change. Your identity changes, your spirit. You are now a friend of God instead of a foe of God. You are not a sinner. You are now a saint. Your fundamental identity has shifted, but now the process of restoration begins. Because we are physically, emotionally, mentally, sexually, whatever, whatever other Italy you want to get, here is the hard thing. We're broken in all of these ways, yet we have a new identity in Christ. Because here's the thing, putting your faith in Jesus, there, there's a work that Jesus does for you, and then there's a work that Jesus does in you. For you is instantaneous. In you will be the rest of your life. That, 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 that's what I said, through the power of the Holy Spirit, all who are new in Christ are on a journey of what? Restoration. Spiritually, relationally, physically, mentally, emotionally, sexually, until the day Jesus comes back, or y'all, the day you die. Whichever one comes first. So we're in this, because we're framing mental health, we're in this weird place of, you can be a Christian and still experience brokenness. Because some of you are like, well, why? I follow Jesus. I get it. Your identity has changed. But the effects of brokenness can still rear their ugly head. But that's why you're on a journey. That's why what the Bible calls and theologians would call sanctification. Sanctification means you are in, you are in process of becoming, please listen, who you already are in Christ. This is what makes Christianity different. It's not a journey of becoming. You already are. Now you learn to live up to who you already are. 
That's why you don't achieve. You receive, and then you live from, and then you're actually on this journey to live up to the new identity you already have. Is this making sense? But that's why the the journey is, 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 is a lot of like dealing with this brokenness that, that you know what might have happened before you started to follow Jesus. But, but what I'm saying is, is this gives us a lot of room for mental health to make sense to be a problem and why it can even be in the church, why Christians can still struggle with it. It's because we're all in many ways broken, yet, yet we are learning to live up to who we already are in Christ. And what I'm, and, and what I'm saying is this. I want to make sure that I say this right. Restoration does not equal perfection, but it can mean progress. Okay? And when it comes to progress with mental health, Y'all, we've got to be so careful that we aren't the judge of what progress looks like for people who are dealing with the effects of this brokenness. Because many times the progress in mental health is spiritual and practical. But in the church, we've always said, just read your Bible and pray more. Do you know the story of Elisha? in the Bible, when he had just had a spiritual breakthrough, he saw the fire of God come. I mean, I mean, literally fire consume this, this person. He was, he, the, that he was kind of like in conflict with, consumed these sacrifices, this, this huge win. And then the Bible talks about how he went in, into kind of this, like, it, it kind of looks like depression, where he's so excited, and then he hits this barrier because he's like, you know, he, he gets a threat, and then he goes into this dark place. And I don't, I had no, I have no reason why, why I was going, going there. I'm like, I feel like there's a couple of steps moved. Huh? He wanted to die. Yeah. Like, he was, sui- like, like he was suicidal. So it's, so it's like when you, so, but then you see Jesus, or Jesus, and but then you see God, do you know what he tells him whenever he's experiencing these kind of what you would deem, even probably what people would say now, mental health struggles, issues, illness, whatever? He did not tell him, pray harder. He did not say, well, you should have read the Torah more. You know what he told him to do? Sleep and get yourself something to eat. Now, some of y'all take that to the extreme, okay? Like, <laughs> the reason you're struggling with mental health is you're doing too much sleeping and too much eating. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Actually, I'm kind of not, not kidding, but no. No, but, but what I'm saying is, is that what God told him when he was struggling with what probably people would, die, would diagnose as being mental health issues wasn't to just do more spiritual things. It was to do more practical things. And, and that's all we have to say. On this journey of progress, we have to make sure we're not judging what progress looks like for somebody. Because for some people, it might be spiritual, but for some people, it might be extremely practical. And some part of that practicalness might be medicine. Some people have said, well, medicine isn't faith. Okay, then why'd you get a vaccine? If, if, you know, we don't judge people that take heart medicine. Why do we judge people that take 
medicine to help their mind. Right? Because I think there's been kind of a stigma. Those, those that might need some, you know, some that have been diagnosed. And, 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 and you know, it's, it, it's like that there can be this judgment. And y'all, my, my heart is to make sure that we don't judge what progress looks like for somebody. Because all part of this restoration might, it, it can be practical and spiritual. Yes, it's spiritual. Script, scripture, word, church, community, all of these things. Those are great. We encourage those. But y'all, following Jesus is more than just, than just spiritual. It's, even I think the practical is spiritual as well. It contributes. Like some of y'all, you don't sleep well. You don't eat well. You don't get any sunlight. Like, and, and it's like you, you've got these contributing factors that you say, well, that's, that's not spiritual. Jesus doesn't care about that. And I would say, I don't know about that. Right? So all I'm trying to say, we're not trying to solve the problems here, but what I'm saying is we just got to make sure that we don't judge what progress looks like for somebody. But we say, okay, maybe it is practical. Maybe it is, it, it is spiritual. But here's, here's the thing. At Lifehouse, many times we don't say it's either or. We say it's both and. We are, but we, we are a both and church. Meaning, we're just not telling people read their Bible and pray. We, we want them to also say, hey, you know what? Your body's a temple that God gave you to steward. Watch what you eat. Watch what you consume. Watch how much you're on screens. Watch all of these things because it contributes. And here's the thing. Not, not just that is it, we can't judge somebody else's progress, but like we, we, we have to understand how central the mind is as we're talking about putting it in context. And putting this in context, the mind is such a central part and portion of the Bible. Mental health is so in scripture, it's crazy, especially if you look at the definitions. Like just a couple examples, like, like, like I talked about earlier, the story of Elijah and his journey, which it was looked like he was depressed and suicidal. When you look at the Psalms, I mean, that's why I would encourage you, y'all, the Bible, y'all, like, I know the Bible can sometimes feel, feel boring and sometimes, sometimes feel out of this, whatever, but the Bible is timeless and timely. And, and that's why the Psalms, the Psalms say things, like, I think it's Psalm 13 where it says, where it's David saying, how long, O oh Lord, will you forget me? How long will you forget me? And it's like he's processing his feelings, his, his emotions. He seems by himself. He's isolated. But the Psalms give us permission to feel. Because some of you judge people with mental health struggles when really the fact is you are just running from your feelings. Yes, some people can be so involved in, in their feelings they can't function, but some people function without feeling. And then they judge those that do feel. And I'm not trying to generalize here, but that is many times the seasoned generation. Because they were told, just fight it, just fight through. You're, you're, you're tough, don't cry. Am I talking right? And what and has ended up happening is they don't know how to process their emotions, they just stuff them. And any emotion that isn't processed is there. But yes, now I think we've kind of gone to the other side where it can kind of be like emotions and feelings and all this stuff can kind of drop you. But it's, it's not, like I said, it's not either or, it's both and. But Psalms gives us permission to feel. You even see, like, just look at these scriptures when it comes to the, the mind in scripture. Matthew 4, 17, Jesus said, from that time Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That word repent means to rethink. 
doesn't just mean to feel bad for your sins. It means to rethink. Matthew 22, 30, or excuse me, Matthew 20, 20, uh, 22, 3. Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your what? Mine. And he was quoting Deuteronomy chapter six, so that way he was quoting the Old Testament. So Jesus just wasn't saying, I want your spirit, your mind as well. Philippians 4, chapter 8, this is Paul. He, he's like, finally, brothers, whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, or is, or is excellent. If anything is praiseworthy, think about these things. 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, be sober-minded. Do you know sober-minded doesn't just mean from drinking? Do you know how much our minds can be intoxicated with other stuff that keep us from functioning in a, what they defined as mental health in a constructive community building, able to control, able to be in control ways. Intoxication in our culture is not just alcohol, y'all. I mean, how many people are consumed by social media where they can't even hear the voice of God because all they have in their mind is they're scrolling through all the stuff that they've just consumed on social media? And they're intoxicated with thoughts. They're intoxicated with people's opinions. They're intoxicated with what other people think about them. They're intoxicated. That's why there was a huge focus. On, be sober. Sober-minded. 1 Peter 4, 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be self-controlled in what? Sober. 2 Timothy 4, 5. As for you, always be sober-minded. 1 Peter 1, 13. Therefore, preparing our minds for action and being Sober-minded. Romans 12, 2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind. It's crazy how science is catching up to what the Bible has already said. A central point of, trans, of being transformed into being like Jesus is your mind. Second Corinthians 10, it's, it says, take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. I say all this to say this. Mental health will be a vital part of the vision at Lifehouse. Not because it's trendy, but because it's an intricate, important part of being a healthy, holistic follower of Jesus. I don't want people with great IQ in the Bible, but low EQ. And EQ simply means this emotional intelligence able to step back and diagnose. And, and because people can be great at knowing the Bible, but, but be children in regards to how they react and respond to people. Right? It is a holistic, if we're gonna do life together as a church, mental health is going to be a priority. And we don't have all of the answers for that, we're going to walk in step with the Holy Spirit, but I feel as a part of our church, this series is gonna kind of be a, a start of that. Not that it's going to be the main thing, but it will be a thing. <laughs> because it's part of being a holistic follower of Jesus. And we wanna give people what, any available avenue, practical or spiritual, to help them thrive in mental health. Not so they can but why? So they can be like Jesus. We're not gonna part, if somebody's part of restoration in someone's journey is getting medicine, we're not gonna tell them, oh man, they just don't know enough Bible. Come on, y'all. They'd be like saying someone that is getting heart medicine, they just wish they had faith. 
It's complex, y'all. Is, isn't it? It's complex. There's a lot of different vari- variables. And speaking of Jesus, can we talk about Jesus some? <laughs> I feel like we need to because I feel like we forget the fact that Jesus wasn't just a savior. He's an example. So y'all, we teach and believe Jesus saves. He's a savior. He did what you couldn't do, just like I I explained the gospel earlier. We love Jesus being savior, but do not forget Jesus is an example. Meaning, if all you read in the gospels is the cross and and the resurrection and don't read about everything else he did, you miss so much about Jesus. And you miss the fact of, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're going to experience a lot of the same things that Jesus did. This is what trips me out. People love the victorious Jesus, but they don't realize the things, the the places and the things that Jesus walked through to get to that victorious place. We can just want the victory. Like, we want the the resurrection without the cross. We want the cross without a Gethsemane. We, 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 we want to Gethsemane without also having, you know, walking in one week, Savior, the next week, kill him. You've got to go and read because when you go back and you read the development of Jesus, when you read the things that Jesus walked through, you see, even when you read it with the right eye, that's why I, I, that's why I would encourage you. If you're going to read the Bible, do not start with Genesis. My God, please don't. Do not do that. Genesis 1 through 3, you'll be okay. You'll get through Noah. Okay. Get into Abraham. You're like, why do you sleep with that woman? That's weird. Right? Like, and then you get into Deuteronomy and Leviticus, and then before you know it, you're just, I give up. Start with the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I know that even as some of you read that, there's going to be some cultural things that you're not going to be sure of. But what I am sure of is that your heart will connect with Jesus. Don't forget he's God in the form of man. He took on flesh and blood as God, fully God and fully man, to come and not just be a savior, but be an example for us. Because here's the thing. In Jesus, Jesus shows us the potential of someone who is full of the Holy Spirit of God and governed by a life by life-giving, soul-enriching, God-honoring, life-shaping habits and discipline. So that's why we say we, we have this shirt, training is bigger than trying. It's like training is better than trying. Why? Because as you see, Jesus did not just do what Jesus did because he was Jesus. Jesus did what he did because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was in relationship with his Father day by day. He was walking in step with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because Jesus is our example. He shows us what kind of life is possible as we are full of the Holy Spirit and governed by a life of rhythms, disciplines, and habits that are life-giving. Is this making sense? And that's why my heart is, as we're talking about mental health, we cannot see how many times did Jesus have, have opportunity to literally be destroyed by his lack of mental health. Imagine the people that turned their backs on him, his best friends. Imagine how many times he was falsely accused. Imagine how many times he was probably asking his father, is this worth it? 
He had so many opportunities. And I just want to bring up one opportunity. When it says, when Luke, the doctor, the, the, the writer Luke, who was a doctor, said Jesus was such in anguish, Luke 22. Being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. So let's take a medical diagnosis that Luke, who was a doctor, brings up and points out, and let's just kind of bring it modern, modern day. So what, what, what actually happened there is it's called hematohydrosis, and I'm not going to read these other three words. I already stutter. I already try to get regular words out. Those would be a disaster. So I'm going to let y'all, y'all got eyeballs, so y'all can read them joints. But hematohydrosis is a condition in which capillary blood vessels that feed the sweat glands rupture, causing them to exude blood occurring under conditions of what? Extreme, physical, and he was not at the cross yet. He was praying, y'all emotional stress, mind stress. That's not a part of Jesus you hear a lot about. You hear a lot about the risen Jesus, and you dang right he rose. He defeated Satan. He's reigning right now. Jesus is not worried or concerned with what's going on in the world. As a matter of fact, he predicted a lot of it. But if you lose this part of Jesus, you will not be able to suffer with those who suffer because you won't realize you're following a suffering Jesus too, not just a victorious Jesus. Even the writer of Hebrews points this out because he was trying to make sure these people knew the humanity of Jesus, not just the divinity of Jesus. Hebrews 4 says this, so then we have a great high priest, and he's talking about Jesus, who has entered heaven, Jesus, the son of God. Let us hold firmly to what we believe. The high priest of ours, what does that say? understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not what? Sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we'll find grace to help us when we need it the most. Do you know, do you know what this verse is telling me? Jesus struggled. And I don't think we even like to hear that because of where we've put Jesus. And you're dang right. We put him as Lord, King, Savior, all of those things. But let's not forget the fact Jesus understands struggle because he struggled. But let me remind you of this. Struggle does not equal sinning. Struggle does not equal sinning. And for some today, I hope you hear that. And if you are struggling, I pray if you've ever thought because you're struggling, you're sinning, I pray that breaks today. And for those of you who might be judging others because they are struggling and you've called it sin, I pray that you would be convicted today in love. Why? Because we, as a church, have to be a safe place to talk about this. We have to realize mental health is not just a trendy thing going on in our culture. It is a siren for people that are hurting. So we, as a church, have got to be say, yes, do you see how central the mind is? We have to be a place that helps people build mental strength, that helps them on the process of restoration, becoming more of who they are in, in Christ, help them with progress. Progress is spiritual or practical. And we look at Jesus. Are y'all here in my heart today? We gotta lay this foundation as we talk about mental health. But, but here's what I wanna do. I wanna play for you a song. This is awkward and weird to do in a church service. 
I'm going to show you a song. I'm going to show you a, a, a song that I came into contact with a couple years ago, and that as I was walking through different feelings that I had, that honestly I felt bad for, because I'd always, you know, I'd, I think subconsciously looked at struggling as sinning. Like, I felt, well, well I, I shouldn't, or, you know, shoulda, coulda, wouldas. I shouldn't be struggling with this and, and stuff like that. And because I didn't feel a freedom to do what Hebrews 4 said, to come boldly to the throne of grace in our time of need, I would kind of like retreat, yeah, and kind of go into isolation and then get into shame and guilt without realizing I have, I have access to a Jesus that suffered. And because he suffered, he didn't sin, yet he overcame. I can come to him, and it says he can come and help us in our time of need. But that begins when we are okay with going to him when we aren't okay. And I want this to be a place in a, in, in a church where we can be okay with not being okay, but we know that we have a God that's okay when we're not okay. And we can create a safe place. This song is called It's, it's Okay by Chandler Moore. Check this out. My 
listening to that song it's back a lot of memories what I hope you got from that is that for some of you it's okay to not be okay you've been trying to be strong and be this and be that and Yes, Jesus was strong, but Jesus was also at times not afraid to be weak. So, but also too, I, I hope you know that Lifehouse is on this, this journey to become a safe place. Because we, we want to talk about mental health and, and take steps forward to help those that are suffering and to help those that, and, and, and to be a safe place for those who are suffering. But not just know that the church is a safe place, but God's a safe place. Is, isn't that good news, church family? Weren't, weren't those words powerful? So we laid a foundation today. Okay, let, all right, let's go ahead and cover it one more time. We laid the foundation, we wanna destigmatize mental health. We wanna frame mental health in light of the gospel and scripture, see how it's central. We wanna frame mental health as a central part of Lifehouse's vision. And y'all, I just, I just put the word Jesus. Why? Because y'all, we're all trying to be like him. We're all trying to go from this broken place that we find ourselves in to being restored and to being sanctified like him. And we all want progress and progress will be different for everybody. So, but let's, let's be a safe place. That makes sense? Will you stand up with me? Thanks again for listening to this week's message. And if today's message helped or inspired you, feel free to share it with someone. If after today's message you have questions, need help, or just want somebody to talk to or process with, just shoot Lifehouse a text to 757-690-2401. For more information about Lifehouse, you can visit us at lifehouseonline.church. That's lifehouseonline.church.